2: This is the 19 to T podcast, Kieran Marsh, Nathan and Judy with you for another week. Drew's very excited for our guest tonight. What I have learned actually since we've started doing the videos on Zoom, uh, it takes all the mystery out of the introductions because you can actually see the person sitting right there. I will uh, pump his tires up all the same. This is someone I've been looking forward to having on for quite some time because from a distance strikes me as one of the more popular, but also one of the funnier uh, members of the PGA Tour of Australasia, not to put any sort of pressure on him for the next 45 to 50 minutes, but I'm coming in with high expectations. I speak, of course, of, uh, of Aaron Wilkin. Aaron, it's it's fantastic to finally have you on the 19th team, mate. Welcome.
1: No worries. Thanks for having us, boys.
2: A uh, bit of a left of centre one for me to start, but I just wanted to get your, your thoughts and and probably more appropriately how disappointed you are or may be that you're no longer the biggest dog in the Searoo Sports stable. Uh, of course, the announcement during the week of Cameron Munster, uh, the Melbourne, Queensland and Australian Kangaroo superstar joining uh, and Asta and your team there at Searoo uh, Sports. And just want to see how you feel about being knocked off the top perch.
1: <laughs> um, no, I'll let that slide.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, is there any – there's an old saying, Aaron, and that's you've got to dance with the one that brought you. So is there any concern from yourself – quail papadados that now you know brave great friend of this podcast but he's got a shiny new toy so is, is there any concern from you guys that you know you've built him up you built sierra up to where it is now and, and the
1: big dogs come in and, and you might get left behind nah he might help us i think he's got a <laughs> bit more of a profile than us so nah, i think it's a good sign um i think it's been in the works for a little bit so i think the boys are pretty happy to have him and you know i I don't know Munster that well, but I've had a little bit to do with him just with through my brother. Um, and, yeah, I think he's in a bit of a different stage of his life now. So I think i have got him in a good time. I think his head's switched on and um, he's still young. He's got a lot more years left in the footy. So it's exciting to see her, I think. And just one more um Half
2: serious fun before we go back on a, a look on the journey. Uh, I noted before we hit the record button the shirt now uh you're drinking a you're drinking a red wine, uh, which our guest and good friend of yours, Anthony Quayle, did a couple of weeks ago. But he was sitting there in his nice white linen Ralph Polo. Yeah. And you've come in with something is, much more is, our vibe is, here at the night's. Yeah, with the we're exactly right <laughs> with the Beth Rolex. Brand, Rolex. Yeah. That's exactly right. It didn't have a cap on either, I just likes, showed the hair. He likes to like the the He likes yeah. it. But you've got the uh, you've got the vintage. What looks like Tiger in a US amateur. Well, that's early Tiger. How
1: do I, how do I show it do better? Yeah, yeah, that's lit. It's vintage stuff. One, one of my best mates um, back home just saw it online. and He's like, "I've got you this present." And I was like, "Oh, that's random." And he goes, "Called the show he goes, I know you love Tiger, and I've literally worn it. Oh, not every day, but a lot since he gave it to me a month ago." So. <laughs> He's the goat, so I just pay my respects every day. You've got the
2: goat on the shirt and the goat up top on the hat in terms of goat beers as well. Uh, <laughs> the Milton Mangos from back home.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like a bit of a trader to be honest, because I'm, I'm actually originally from New South Wales. So, I don't know, I'm, I'm a bit torn. <laughs> I go, go, go for the Blues because you have to, but, yeah, the Queenslanders, it's hard not to go for them.
2: Mate, um, we're going to take a, a bit of a probably a disjointed walk back through your journey because I think we kind of need to start this summer. It's the most recent. It's, it's top of mind. How um, probably first and foremost, how's it felt just to be back into a regular swing of golf? That's been unusual given the last eighteen months to two years, and it must be nice just to have a bit of consistency uh, up and down the east coast, playing week in week out at present.
1: Yeah, it's it's really good. Hey, like um, COVID, like for a lot of us, it people harder than others but you know like the golf wasn't there so a lot of us sort of had to go do other things just to keep life going on you know you got to still eat food and still want to be able to enjoy things and stuff so um yeah i worked with my with my parents in their business for a lot, a lot of it i was still playing golf at a social level as such like afternoons with the boys and um the pro-ams that were on, you know, in Queensland, you know, borders. And as you know, the borders been a bit of an issue. So, uh, yeah, it's good just to get four rounds, It like, you know, the four-round tournaments, although the last few events have been three. So, um, yeah, it's like, it's actually amazing how tired you feel just playing the four-rounders in a row because you just haven't done it in a long time. So, no, it's good. Form form isn't quite there yet, but slowly.
0: Oh, it's uh, the performance uh, a couple of weeks ago at uh, Murray River was pretty handy, Arid. If you're talking yeah, about four, yeah. I mean, that was yeah. uh, a T3 finish. That's yeah. okay.
1: You're only as good as your last round. I shot seven over on Sunday, so.
0: That is very <laughs> always, true.
1: There's always room to improve.
0: Well, uh, we'll get to, because you, you've had, had some good success in this year. Um, as well anyway, winning the uh, the Winham, I think I'm hopefully I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly uh, there, Aaron. We'll get yeah. to that in a moment. But the, the yeah. one that caught my attention, the line in that, that you mentioned just there, is that you were off uh, working in the family business. And I'm wondering if you can maybe explain to us in a little more detail exactly what the job entailed because uh, I was reading it in an article and hoping you could maybe give us a bit of an information as to what you were
1: doing. Uh, I mean, I I'm, was just a shit kicker to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to sit here and pretend now I know how to do everything in the business because I don't. Um, it's it's pretty it's a simple business and you say it out loud, but there's a lot more to it. So it's just a steel um, door frame manufacturing company. Um, so it's basically just the frames in you know in a door. So a lot of you need it. There's doors everywhere, right? So critical cool. critical work. You need a door. You do need a door. So there,
0: yeah. there, there's that great debate going around at the moment. I don't know if either of you boys have seen it. Uh, are there more doors or wheels in, in the world?
1: Yeah, I don't know. What is is that what I don't know. I think I think it's comfortably doors.
2: I, I I tell you why. I heard something today which really changed my thinking on this debate. And if you're talking about all doors, think about the time, like the, the thousands of years that there were doorways and no wheels in the world. Like just based on that amount of time, there'd have to be more doors that have been created over the over the course of existence before point, the right? wheel was even invented.
1: Yeah, this, this, it, this subject's gone way. It's gone quick.
2: But are we
0: are we going back to like when Jesus was playing fullback for Bethlehem? Is are we <laughs> uh, that, that's a man, door I'd, or, I'd, or not?
2: I, well, I, I, and also probably do you, do you consider a door frame because obviously like a lot of old mud mud huts only had door frames as opposed to actual physical doors. Yeah. So, is it is it a doorway or is it a, is the physical door itself?
0: Don't know. Maybe we'll have to get the Wilkin family, yeah, uh, their input. And maybe they but can yeah, report.
1: Back on to that. I, <laughs> I was just I was just doing a little bit of welding and then other stuff that was required in the factory. Is it was um I've sort of done it an on and off since I was sort of young. My mum and dad have always sort of got us in there sort of working. I'm not going to say I worked in school holidays because I was playing golf, but. <laughs> um when I left school sort of I had QAS for three days a week I guess and then I was always doing a little bit of work part-time just to get a bit of change a bit of pocket money um but yeah sort of I relied on it a bit more this time with COVID um I'm glad I'm glad I'm not doing that but it makes you appreciate you know golf for sure like a tough week on the golf course is um still better than a good week in the factory. <laughs> what's, uh, what's the name of the business? We usually don't do free ads here at the 19th century. Mental, Mental, Mental business. That's all right. My old man doesn't believe in advertisements. So that's all good. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, Marshy. He does not that does talk that, talk. that not just sound like a brand that we just had a conversation with? Big in the golfing industry. We won't mention their name, but man. they basically said that podcast advertising mm-hmm. is a bigger myth as global warming um, mm-hmm. to some people. But anyway, uh, <laughs> Aaron, back uh, back to golf. You mentioned that you were playing, uh, you're just playing some social golf rounds while you were in the workshop welding. I've always been fascinated by when pros go out and play social golf. Are you still able to enjoy that social golf round or are you going out with a sense of expectation in yourself? You know, you're going out with your mates who maybe they don't play. You're having a couple of beers. Are you like getting frustrated when you hit bad shots? Like how, what's your psyche when you go and play social golf? Cause it absolutely fascinates me when pros go back and do that.
1: Yeah. It's a good question. Um, I mean, I always, when I'm playing with the boys, we're always playing for money. So you sort of don't really care what you shoot as long as you win. And if you lose, you just double down the last hole or pull a lever or whatever. So you sort of relate it back to that. But in saying that, you don't want to be hitting shanks and doming the ball and hitting in the trees and missing every putt. Like, you still we – we sort of know what we're doing still a little bit. It's just not as um, fine-tuned as when we're playing tournaments. Um, I probably enjoyed it a bit too much. My, my mates like a beer, so every afternoon was it wasn't just golf. It was beers and – I was in a cart normally, so I wasn't really walking. Um, but, yeah, like that was – I got a good mate that got into golf sort of in COVID, and he he was no good at the start. Had to start him off with the par three course because he would have taken too long to play a normal course. And by the end of it, by the end of COVID, he'd joined Wynnum and he had a handicap. So that was sort of a little bit rewarding as well as sort of just seeing him improve. Although I don't know if he's got any better. I'm not a good coach. I'm a little, I, can, I, can, I can help a little bit, but not. I can't take him to the next step. Especially when you're drinking, I would have thought probably not. Yeah.
2: <laughs> speaking of a handicaps, couple of mangoes. yeah, a couple of Get yeah, that's
1: the sponsors.
2: Uh, speaking of handicaps, today, do they handicap you significantly, your mates, when you're playing with them? Like, what's what's what levels the field?
1: Uh, yeah, just play like around Wyndham. It's like I'm off about plus six or seven, which is ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was clear. The handicap system these days is—I feel old saying this—but when I was a junior, it was a lot different. I feel mm. like there's a lot of people off plus six these days that, well, that just wasn't a thing when I was a junior. Like, if you're off scratch, you're unbelievable. Mm. But anyway.
2: Take us back to uh, take us back to the start. Uh, what was the introduction to golf? Um, obviously. A uh, fairly sporting family, clearly, which we'll get to a little later on. But y- yourself, y- your, f- your first introduction to golf, how did that all come about?
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. So I grew up in New South Wales, like a little country town in um, central West New South Wales, Yeovil, which is um, about 70 Ks from Dobbo. Uh We lived out of town. I went to school in town when I was like obviously young. And my uh, nan and pop had moved off the farm and they were in town. So after school, I'd always go back to Nan and Pops. And yeah, my pop sort of needed a little interest after he played football till he was 42. That's what you do in the country. He played at 42. And he wasn't, yeah, he, he found golf a little bit later in life. And yeah, he just got me into it. Um, nine hole sand grain course. So yeah, it wasn't much of a golf course, but it was where I started. And yeah, I sort of just went from there.
2: How difficult uh, – I'm probably skipping a few steps ahead here, but I would have thought you'd be
1: absolutely throwing darts at the pin on a sand green course when you come, come no. into the city. No, you got to sand- run it up there, right? Sand greens is like – it was like minimal sand, so you got to, like, run it up. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the surroundings were no good. <laughs> I When I go back and play there, it is, that is actually frustrating because you can't – you can't – Making a par is like a birdie.
2: <laughs> so um, you, you, you're certainly not off plus
1: six or seven at the yoga they 9. They played all me, me off. Course. I went back there for, like, my Pops Memorial Day, like, two years ago, and they played me off, like, plus six, and I I think I shot seven over. <laughs> <laughs> What's that? I had 20, 20 points or something else.
2: <laughs> That's a real tough scene as the old hometown you know, boy coming home. you not scratching
1: the you something else. <laughs>
2: So fill in, fill in the gaps for us. How do you get from the nine-hole sand green golf course in Yogle to the QAS? What What's what, what's uh, the progression?
1: Parents, parents moved to Queensland when I was like 10, 10 and a half. And then I used to do a lot of running. Don't do that anymore. Um, used to love me footy. I still love it uh, because my brother's involved with it and a few of my friends. But, yeah, I sort of just got to a point where I was playing it a fair bit and... My parents were like, oh, you know, like, we sort of, if you're serious, like, we'll get you a membership. And I was like, yeah, yeah, that's sweet. So I joined Winham. Um, But then it sort of went to the next level where I was sort of making development teams in Queensland at 14, and then junior team, and then a couple of Australian teams. And then they're like, oh, you sort of can't be playing football at school. I sort of, you know, you've got getting injured and all that sort of stuff. So, yeah, about 16, I probably got really serious and then, yeah, left school and went straight in the QAS for like four years before I turned pro. So it goes pretty fast, but now I'm 29. I don't know where the time's from. <laughs> How do you look back
2: on those first um, first couple of years? Kind of you move up to Queensland and you're cutting your teeth at winning? Were there any 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 individuals in particular that were kind of important for you in those few years? Because obviously, as you say, there's that probably four year, five year gap between there and going to the QAS that are quite pivotal, I would imagine, and you making that step up.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of members throughout the years that help you, whether it be financial or mentoring or just, you know, um, letting you play with them and le- letting you ask them stupid questions or so I But, yeah, Wynnum's a pretty important um, part of my journey, I guess. I'm still a member there now. It's where I'll still go back and still play. Um, there was another little prior before I joined Winham. There was a public course near where my parents moved in Queensland called Houston, and um, they still run a pro am through the PGA in Queensland. They've, they've run it, I'll, I'll get this wrong, but it's one of the longest standing pro I think it's 40 years or I've had it 40 times or something. Um, and that's just run by a family, um, and they've just done that forever. And yeah, I sort of started um, playing there. 10 bucks to, to play and then they end up not even charging me and they never have since. They've looked after me a lot. Um, so that was good just to play there when I was sort of younger and go down there in the holidays and play, you know, 36 holes. And before I sort of moved to Winham as such.
0: We were talking to Qualey about it, uh, last week, sort of moving from a small town to the big smoke in many ways. Um, what were the differences that you kind of realized from a golfing perspective, I guess, um, playing uh, back in your, in your hometown, I guess, playing on those sand greens and then going up to Wynnum, everything's probably a little bit bigger and and I guess the talent is probably a little bit deeper as well. What's the, I guess, the main differences that you found and and those challenges that you overcame as well?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that was like literally two juniors in the oval. There's, the town's that small. There was 25 people in my school. So, like, the town was very small. There wasn't many people there. It's probably just the opportunity you get when you move to somewhere like, you know, the, you know a city. So you're just around more people and more exposure and stuff. So, but yeah, it's different going from sand grains to, um, to grass grains. But I sort of had a little bit of exposure to grass earlier because Dobbo – was about 70Ks from Yeovil. And then there's Wellington on the other side where I was actually born. There's no hospital in Yeovil. So um, uh, they're, they're both grass green. So my pop used to sort of take me there as a, as a bit of a treat. Um, and I, I used to struggle because you'd have to fly it on there where back in Yeovil you've got to hit – you run it up. So um, I sort of knew a little bit about it. But, yeah, there's obviously a big, big difference.
0: Did you pretty quick – did you – come over that pretty quick, I guess, yeah, as you mentioned. Yeah, think, it, is, it is pretty I mean, I'm,
1: different. I'm a pretty – I'm not that patient of a person. Like, if I was, shit <laughs> yeah, I I would have stopped. So but I showed I think... some kind of ability to keep going and, yeah, sort of just going from there.
0: For a not patient person, mate, you've picked a game that takes four days <laughs> to get a result. You've done very, very well for yourself.
1: <laughs> yeah, no. I know. I'm, I'm probably the most patient on a golf course out of any aspect in life. The rest, I'm not good.
0: You mentioned there at the age of sixteen, um, you obviously had to give up your footy, which you which you love, and you you still get around today. But I guess at that point in your life, are you pretty set on becoming a golfer? You know what you know professional golf entails, and I guess could you kind of prepare yourself for the the rigors and the challenges? And I guess it's not as rosy as what everyone makes it out to be, right?
1: No, you can't. I kind of wish I just turned pro straight out of school almost because yeah. you're, you're so many, you're so you almost feel like you know, the amateur golf was fun. We went out, you know, I played in the States, did the swing over there, and they sent us around. Um, and I think now these days it's actually beneficial to stay amateur a bit longer just with how good the programs are. Um, but once you turn pro, it's a different kettle of fish, you know, like there's people that have been on tour for years and they have their structures and they know what they, you know, Works for them, and you sort of just got to figure it out yourself a little bit. So, yeah, it definitely took a while. I'm still figuring it out, to be honest. Um, but I'm getting there, closer.
2: Who uh, who is your cohort at QIS? Who did you come through with in your couple of years there? Uh
1: there was like Kevin Marquez, who doesn't he doesn't play golf anymore. Um, like Dan McGraw, he doesn't Smithy. He he plays. He's <laughs> alright. Yeah, like Mav, but he sort of was there for a little bit. Then he went to college straight away, so um, sort of did more junior stuff with him. Um, but yeah, those sort of blokes. There was, there was a few. There was a couple of girls as well, Ashona. That's all I can remember. I'm, I'm, I'm losing my memory. Was was college golf ever an option for you?
2: Did you did you look at it? Did you
1: explore it? Yeah, I got offered a couple, and I that's a regret. I wish I I took that. I I got offered that when I was 17, 18 and I just was like, nah, I don't want to go to the States. Like that's a big, that's a big sort of step, you know, but you know, example like Mav who went, he mm. helped him a lot. I feel, I mean, there's a lot of people, well, my my good mate, Sam Daly, who doesn't play anymore either. He actually went to Iowa, um, Iowa state and yeah, he got, a, you know, got a degree out of it and, he went quite well over there. He he probably was never looking at college, but when he got there, it sort of suited him, you know, so you live and learn.
2: It's interesting, right? Like, we, we've probably spoken to, I'd say, a, a pretty even split of guys who have and guys who haven't. I remember talking to Mav, and I think he was Augusta State. Um, the, and yeah. uh, the, the phenomenal opportunities that that presented even beyond yeah. Uh, the the college to be in that part of the country, um, and you know probably a good mix of guys who've been to big programs and also programs like Augusta State. Uh, we had was, you know good good mate of the program, Justin Warren, Little Rock down in um you know Colorado, yeah. and that. So it's it's interesting, right? That um, did, there seems to anyone be... anyone two- talk
1: more shit than Justin Warren. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. Look, tough, he, tough he, to he, say. He fears something else. <laughs> it'd be a short.
2: It'd be a short list. It'd be an incredibly short list of people if, if there were. He's one of the best. No, um, no, no, please. <laughs> oh, we're always happy to hang shit on. Was uh, is? It's interesting, right? That there's seemingly now pretty two divergent paths, and uh, you know a lot of guys not impatient, but turning pro maybe earlier than they used to. And to your point, you know, you look back on it now, and it might have been worth. Um, you know, the little bit of extra time, and obviously whether it's spent here in the QAS or N Swiss or VIS yeah. or over in the states, it's that there's that little extra patience of maybe two or three years that can be can be critical.
1: Yeah. In saying that, there's no the older you get, you just you realise there's no really right way, is there? Um, sort of everyone has their own journey. I feel like some people benefit better. Some people benefit better from staying eminent longer or well, I think you're seeing it now, there's the the young fellas, and I listened to Lincoln's podcast the other day, like, and he touched on it, the, the young fellas that are coming on the tour now, like, they don't, they just, they got the blinkers on, like, they don't really care, where I feel like when I turned, I was sort of, like, looking around a lot, you know, I was sort of, I was trying to search for people to, for a bit of advice, and they don't, they're not looking for that, they, they've already got it, so, yeah, there's different ways to look at it.
2: Take us back to, your kind of process of turning pro. You mentioned you were looking around. Who, who were the type of people you were tapping on the shoulder and asking questions of? And ultimately, you know, the ones that were probably quite influential in in your timing and your decision to turn pro when you did. Testing um, that memory. <laughs> I
1: don't know. I mean, I I I went. I I decided to go to Q School, and I didn't want to turn pro before I went to Q School because. So that happens a little bit sometimes where people turn pro and then go to Q school and then get no status and then they're sort of they got nothing to sort of play. So I wanted to go to Q school and get some status. Um, I did that, and yeah, I, I mean, I travelled with Josh Caban, who doesn't play golf anymore either. Seems to be a common thread. But um, is he, it you? What,
2: is it is it people who've played with you? Are you must, <laughs> you're yeah. too threatening.
1: send around the twist. <laughs> um, but like we were both new to it and we travelled together. So we were sort of, we weren't weren't really, we sort of would figure out ourselves. We weren't really leaning on any of the older blokes. We sort of, they're doing their own thing. You're doing your thing. Um, All I knew is that I I sort of felt like I wanted to see if I could get somewhere overseas. And I went to Asian Q School and Miss. So I was like, okay, maybe I'm not ready for that. So I spent another year in Australia and... I lost a, uh, lost a playoff in PNG, which there was a tournament there, not anymore. But and I sort of felt like, oh, okay, I can, I'm playing okay. I can, maybe I can go overseas next year, and that, that's when I started exploring like Japan. Um, yeah, that was a that was a journey in itself.
0: There's was one I was going to bring up with PNG uh, back in 2016. I think if I'm testing my memory here, I was looking at it earlier. You actually tied with. Quayley for T2? I'm Uh thinking the right year. I'm just trying to find Uh, the leaderboard year. 2016.
1: We tied as a pilot.
0: With Brad. Brad Brad yeah. yeah. Yeah, with uh, yourself and Quayley, Anthony Quayle. There you go. So, uh, What's... I
1: I don't want to use an excuse. The greens over there, obviously, if you're in Panjad, they're not first class, but I three-putted from literally eight foot to lose that tournament. So that's good memories. (laughs) <laughs> so I really want to talk about it yeah, so, so there goes my and, question and I was just going to say Moseley hold like a 20 footer On the absolute cabbage greens to win
0: <laughs> Well there was my question it Was going to be like What's it like to finish You know T2 You know relatively early, early yeah. You know blah 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 etc But I'll yes. just I'll save that question Because
1: uh, it's my, clearly... mate, my mates like Josh Who I bring up Josh Caban Sam Daly They were over there playing And they literally had the camera out I, was, I think it was two foot To win
0: And then I missed it. But he
1: still still hasn't shown me the video. I don't
0: want to say it. No, it's a bit, uh, speaking of Justin Warren, it's a little bit like his Q school. One footer missed the poor fellow that we brought up with him. Uh, That was horrible, horrible memories. But um, I want to kind of maybe just skip forward a couple of years, if we can, to 2019. Uh, You have a really good year in 2019. Um, Three Top tens uh, and a, an additional third place finish, which saw you rise about 1,100 places in the world ranking in that year to inside the top thousand. Highlights from that year: T three um, over in China, T uh, twelve um, on the Asian tour, T five um, again in China. Like 2019 seemed to be a really, really consistent yeah. year for you. I mean, was there is there something that kind of clicked? Was it you know just a part of the process? Like what was it?
1: I just think, yeah, well, the year previously I was in Japan, 2018, so, like, that was a bit of a a journey in itself. Like, going through the Q-School system there is pretty full on. You got, like, went through Stage 2, then flew home, and then went back to Stage 3, and then after Stage 3, stayed for Stage 4, and there's, yeah, 200 people for 25 spots. And I got my card, and it was awesome over there, but then I lost it as fast as I got it, you know, so um, I was playing the challenge tour for the rest of the year and then didn't have any status, I went back to Q school at the end of that year and didn't get any status, so I was like oh, wh- what's next, so I thought PJ Tour China could be a good option and it sort of had pathway to the Corn Ferry at the time um, and yeah I'd started, I started pretty average to be fair and then um, did a little bit of work with a sports psych, Jonah Oliver who, yeah, he helped me a lot, I was sort of really struggling mid through that year and had a good finish and sort of you know I didn't do enough to like get any status on you know Corn Ferry or anything I think well the Max McGreevy who won our Order of Merit that year now's on the PJ Tour so he won the Order of Merit in China which got him starts on Corn Ferry and then won once or tw- might have been twice but he, he finished high enough high enough to get um, top twenty five on Corn Ferry and now he's on PJ Tour so that was sort of my thinking like go through that sort of stage you know. Um, finished yeah, 30 or 30 something on the order of merit that year. So I thought I'll go back there next year and I've learned heaps and I've, you know, I've got a lot to improve and then COVID hit. So
0: yeah, I was, uh, that's, that's sort of where I was going next. I mean, yeah. you come come back from China. Uh, and then you you play the Vic PGA where you finish in the top ten and and continue to play really well back here on the yeah the Aussie Tour T seventeen at the Super Six then back to the the Asian Tour where you're just outside the top ten T twenty in New South Wales T thirty three at the Aussie Open so the, the it's building for Aaron Wilkin yeah yeah, yeah. and then the arse falls out of the world mate yeah. I think like how how does yeah. like can you contextualize it at all like what's that like because the next year you played two events
1: yeah. Nah, I think a lot of people like myself are still trying to get a head around it, but it's done now. Like, yeah, the last eighteen months were shit, and I feel like I've lost, you know, almost two years, and now you're sort of restarting because there was sort of progress there starting to happen. But um, I don't know. What do you do? There's so there's so many more people in the world that are in a shit more shit spot than what I am. I'm in a pretty good spot when it when you actually when it all boils down. So just about resetting, I think. Sorry, Dimmy's calling me. <laughs> you're on. <gone. laughs> Put him on. Cafedados, answer speaker. Dimmy, you're on the podcast.
2: You're on the potty.
1: <laughs> Dimmy, <laughs> hello.
2: The great god. What's doing? I'm just going to give real guys some dirt. Some <laughs> dirt, <huh? Come laughs> Well, it's only the four of us talking, mate, so please, go ahead. I just wanted to see how many
1: birds Denzel picked up at the PAV last time. We'll go to win there. This is brilliant. This is the best content oh, that we've had on this podcast for quite man. some time. Uh, I'll talk to you later, do we? <laughs> the podcast, that's all right. See, see you later, <laughs> <See> <laughs> Oh, we're, always, we're not he's, cutting he's, that he's out. Always, he's always good for a stitch up. <laughs> oh, Papadatos, he has been on before, hasn't he? Yes, yes, he has. He yes.
0: Has.
2: Do you know? Actually, you might appreciate this. You probably will. So, one of one of our um, one of our main sources of research for podcast guests are their um, social media accounts, and the first photo um, that Papadatos ever published to Instagram was a photo of himself in a pair of budgies holding <laughs> holding a bottle of Belvedere vodka.
1: <laughs> I remember that.
2: And we asked him about it and he got quite embarrassed. Um, to be fair, uh, this was before the days that we were recording these with video and I think that's lucky because he probably was, you know, um, the colour of a tomato, to be fair. And subsequently, that photo has now disappeared off his, uh, off his Instagram account. So I think he's he's done a little. He's gone back through, done a little bit of curating of the feed because it probably doesn't you know neatly fit the uh, the profile that Braith is selling of him out in the market. Um, And yeah, he's done done a little bit of curating. So he's a good man, Timmy. He's a good man.
1: He's a legend. He's a
2: legend. I can't remember. Yeah, I think I think we're talking about what a shit spot the last eighteen months were. Um, I I don't want to dwell. So I don't really want to dwell on that too much, other than to say that. I note that you, you mentioned kind of that good patch you're having in 2019. You've done yeah. a bit of work with the sports side. Yeah. And I wonder if um, there was any residual effect with your ability to deal with the challenges of not playing golf through a bit, of, a bit of pragmatism and that you understand that doing a bit of work with the sports side probably allows you to have a bit more of a level head, yeah. stay a bit more balanced. And I wonder if that, you know, obviously there were times that were super frustrating and you, you, know. you would have had every right to be pissed off because you'd, got a bit of momentum and that was stunted. But I wonder if there was any any residual flow on from the work that you've done there because we've spoken to a number of people recently who've, who've got a common thread. They've done some work in that mental yeah. space and it's it's had a huge benefit on their game.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think it did a little bit. But um, I think when you're comparing like where you, sometimes the – the sports psych part and then, like, sure, like the psychology part in life is a little bit different sometimes, maybe. Uh, it's a little bit deeper when you go into the life, sort of psychology part of it all. But um, it definitely helped me a little bit dealing with that when I was, you know, in COVID working, didn't really feel that good about myself. Not all the time, but at, at certain parts, you just, you know, you, you got a little bit down with where you were at and what you were doing and what was next, and a lot of thoughts going through your head. Um, yeah, will this ever end? Um, but you know, life goes on, and we're sort of we've we pushed through it. And yeah, I'm just trying to not look back and sort of trying to look forward. You know what I mean? You've
2: had two wins um, in in the last little bit, uh, and I want to talk about them because we've spoken about your journey. And there's a couple of places you've mentioned, Yoga, where you were, you, were, you grew up. Winham was such an important place to you, and you won you won Wynnum most recently. But you had a win in Dubbo as well. Yeah. Um, which I imagine, given, you know, the proximity to where you grew up, you, you talked about, you know, you used to go down and play there with Pop as a treat. That must have been really special to go back to essentially um, you, you, the area in which you grew up and go back and have a win.
1: Yeah, that was awesome. Um, yeah, so I stayed with my Nan that week. Like, Pop's not, not with us anymore. So um, when he sort of passed, I was in Japan and that was a bit of a tough time actually going back to that. Um, sort of dimly really felt like playing golf after that. It's because when you sort of have someone that is a massive influence in your life or, you know, golf is what it was, I just, I, was, I always relate golf back to him. And when I went to golf when he wasn't there, I didn't feel like I just wasn't connecting. But anyway, um, my nan still lives in the Oval and I, I stayed with her that week and I was, I was travelling the 70Ks every day up with her to play double. I just had this really good connection that week i just sort of felt like i don't know if i felt like pop was there watching me but i, I was so calm I, I i haven't i wish i could find that every week um but yeah it was pretty cool like nens you know they're like recording like my fairways and my greens and everything. <laughs> and texting mom like mom and dad are in queensland and she's like oh yeah blah, blah, you know She's sort of like forgetting about the actual score and where I'm at and, you know, the position. She's just more worried about all the little things and stuff. Yeah, greens and rig. That's yeah, what she is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Greens and rig. I hit about eight and shot seven under. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that no, was, yeah, that was pretty cool. I had like my aunt and uncle come out and a few friends. Um, yeah, it was cool. And Dobbo was in the course, just quiet. I'll give a bit of a shout out. The course is in incredible condition. And I missed it this year last year, um just with the borders and stuff, which is a bit of a shame. Couldn't go back and defend it. But yeah, that was a cool week. It was um it was just good to do it in front then, you know, like I didn't really there probably should have been a little bit of pressure that I would have normally put on myself, but didn't feel it that week, which was um really good feeling.
2: And so you kind of come to this summer and obviously um we're back playing consistent golf as we said, where did you I mean given the fact that they've had such stunted momentum in the past 18 months. Yeah, you've picked up obviously Winham. you picked up Dubbo a little bit before that. What sort of expectations did you put on yourself coming into this summer? Because it's probably A, easy to get carried away and think, all right, we're playing back-to-back, we've got a couple of European tour cards on the line here from an order of merit perspective, but also probably need to be a little bit kind to yourself in the sense that you're coming off really not much prep. So what's when you were coming at the start of the summer, what did you kind of set yourself as a bit of a goal?
1: Um... I always I – mean playing every week to try and win, right? So I, I, I would, I'd i like to win before the year's over like on, on a tour level. I've sort of set that goal for a while now and it hasn't happened, but feel like I'm getting closer, even though at times it feels a long way away, um, if that makes sense. But, yeah, I think – yeah, I feel like the order of merit this year is sort of semi-already wrapped up in, in a sense with Jed. There's a few boys that could catch him potentially, but is it is it, is it realistic? Can they catch him? <laughs> oh, I
0: think I think it's tough. I think Jed's got his locked up. But I was just actually having a look at it there. I think uh, is Andrew Dote is in second. Yeah, I don't played. I don't think that that one's locked up. Particularly after this week, now that Dimi yeah. and Quayle and, and Pikey are now closing. Oh, on, so it's uh yeah it's it's certainly getting yeah. tight tied up the top. But I guess what yeah,
1: it'd be good to have a couple of good finishes, sort of more like from anywhere from now on sort of leading into back in the next year because that's when the Q schools will start opening up again. Asian tour looks like a really good spot to go at the moment. The money getting pumped into there and I'd like to maybe explore Japan again. I feel like I, I learned a lot about my game over there. I was probably not ready at the time. Um, I feel like I'm, I'd am i be more ready if I went now. Um yeah, and then there's Europe as well. So there's going to be some options coming up. I think the States is obviously where everyone says they want to go, but it's it's not that easy. It's, <laughs> yeah, the level's quite high. I think the level's just as high almost on the secondary tour. And you probably see that a lot with the guys that come through the corn ferry. They are competing pretty early on the PJ tour.
0: We are recording in New South Wales open week, um, and this will probably come out um, after. New South Wales Open is uh, done and dusted. Yeah, uh, down at Concord there. Um, I mean, what would that mean to to be the champion? You could really sound like Nostradamus here and be, <laughs> be predicting the future, but because uh, this will be out next week. But what would that mean? I guess ultimately for you to be holding the trophy aloft as the winner of the New South Wales Open, your home states uh, or your home states title, I guess, old, old home state. Yeah, old home state, yeah. Well, it's where you bought
1: <laughs> Oh, yeah, of course. It'd be, it'd be awesome. Um, I've got a few things I need to tidy up between now and um, holding the trophy up. Got to get the putter working again. It's it sort of seemed to have left me of, of late. But, um, yeah, it'd mean a lot, you know. Just just to get a win anywhere, I think, is, is a good feeling, no matter if it's a pro-am, one-day pro-am, two-day pro-am, four-day pro-am or a tour event. So, any of those um, those wins give you a bit of confidence. So, yeah, hopefully. I'm not going to say I'm going to win. I'm not going to predict. Myself. Uh, it
0: was, I was, I'd, rather give, I'd
1: rather give like a prediction like of someone at like 150 to one so you can actually punt on him and make some cash.
0: <laughs> Fair enough. That's smart. Um, I, I was just, as Marshy mentioned, uh, our great source of research is through Instagram here and going back uh, and having a look at some of the stuff that you have popped up here, but the one that that caught, caught my eye was uh, the Australian PGA Championship T40 finish for yourself. Um, some great videos of yourself uh, seemingly that's enjoying that's arrogant, enjoying the uh, the party hole yeah. uh, there on seventeen. You, you reckon that they should put them on every hole? Uh, and yeah. you tagged the PGA of Australia. I don't think they responded, oh? but uh, yeah, oh, you, did they didn't respond. No, they didn't reply, um, and and I must note as well you you're also wearing the same cap, so uh, <laughs> so you're an official outfit repeater, Right. But uh, no, no, that I was, guess. that was
1: awesome. Yeah,
0: tell us about I what feel it's, about it's like playing it. like golf. Needs
1: it. Yeah, marshes out
2: there. I, I, you and yeah? out there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, I it. enjoyed it. I I mean I, I was out there on Thursday, so people probably hadn't really found their feet at seventeen. Um, but even then, Thursday afternoon, I think um, I I was there when Jed came through, and and he was on his way. And then sure. obviously the RQ members had had the best part of six hours on the yeah. on the yeah. lemonades, uh, waiting for Jed to come. And, and even that on Thursday afternoons, so I can only imagine what it was like into the weekend.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, saw some videos from uh, from inside the grandstand there on Saturday yeah. and Sunday, and it looked wild. It's
1: yeah. I don't know. I feel I feel like, I, don't, I mean, there's a lot that goes into setting those up, right? But I just feel like if you could have them on every part three just, mm. it brings a different crowd in like my mates were there that um they were there for, i think three of the days and i went up there on after the saturday or one of been friday and i said to my mate oh are you having a good time said, yeah he said i haven't even watched one golf shot he had the, braces <laughs> right the back. He was, it was you know his piss was laid on all day and he said the music was going and he said, this is unreal. It's like just going to the races. Sometimes you go to the races, you don't even watch a race. Never
2: see
1: a horse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. never see a horse. So it's about setting like an atmosphere. And I feel like you can do that in golf without going too far. But, you know, that little, that middle ground as such.
0: Yeah. No, we're, can you, we're supporters just set, of it. <laughs> just, set up
1: on, just set one up on every hole and just pump, pump everyone in there. Can you... Um... I want to stay on RQ
2: for a second. Can you take us inside uh the RQ Clubhouse that Sunday evening? Uh because I when we had Jed I on. So actually, Ed,
1: I actually wasn't there. Were you not? I thought I, I it thought was, it was I think it was only members. No, nah, he was calling me out on this. Uh okay. I don't know yeah, what, he, it, that's right, he was. He was calling you out, out.
2: when his yeah. piss taste better. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, yeah, man,
1: yeah. I think it was only members load in there.
2: That's, it sounds about
1: Right,
2: well, I was gonna say, in <laughs> retrospect, looking at that, was, photo, there's was, no way you would have gone to the clubhouse. Yeah, there wouldn't be way you would have gone to that clubhouse wearing that outfit. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nah, we uh, he was and then he was out a bit later that night, and there was a fair few of us out, um, having a few drinks, but I think it was pretty, I think it was pretty tired by the end of it, like just a fair bit that going on with all the media stuff, and you know, everyone sort of hyping you up for the week, so. Yeah, no, I wasn't. I wasn't in the clubhouse. we caught him at the back end. I think it was the Tuesday
2: night, was it, Nate? Uh, I think so, something like that. And he was in bed. He'd done forty-eight hours of uh, media, I think, and we oh, got yeah. him um, literally laying in
1: bed. So I but think, does, got him. yeah, I was sort of strung, I was sort of going through a YouTube channel before and seeing who had been on. Yeah, how many pros? Yeah. How many pros have you had on here? Oh. We've got
0: 190 episodes. They're not all on YouTube. We've only just started putting them on YouTube because, yeah, so look, you know, what we're what not the most so technical.
2: Long? Hey? What, what took, took so done? long? Well, we were waiting to get the good guests on yeah. YouTube. That's what we were doing. Yeah, we... We wanted to get the best looking guests. Imagine if we oh, imagine if doing. we
0: had a wasted this outfit on a bloody audio episode. <laughs> yeah, fair
2: enough. It would have
0: been complete rubbish. Yeah. Um bring it back to golf. I, I probably don't want to keep too much more of your time. I've I've got a couple of little funny ones that I've found through your that's Twitter right. feed as well. Oh, I wouldn't mind. I mean,
1: we'll still have a bottle
0: left. Oh Jesus. All right. Well, buckle <laughs> in. <laughs> buckle up, KM. Uh uh TPS Bonnie Dune, you had uh Braith and Astra on the bag, mate. How did I guess obviously I know how that came about, but what did Braith Offer on the bag? Did he, uh, did you ask for any, you know, assist with reading putts or anything like that? What was, well, what was he like?
1: I should have. I didn't. Yeah. <laughs> he, he played there more than me. I should have. No, nah, my, my normal caddy that sort of comes when he can couldn't get here. So, um, Bryce just offered and yeah, it was good. It's always good to have someone they can just talk to and get your mind off things <laughs> there on the course. Um, but yeah, it, I actually didn't listen to him. I should have because he's played there heaps. Um, so, yeah, I should have asked for green rain for sure because I'd missed a lot of parts that week. But, no, it was good to have him on there just to, just to chat more, more than anything.
2: We pulled the piss out of him a bit at the start, but, like,
1: you know, we, we've had him on.
2: He was fantastic and, you know, he's always been a great supporter of ours. He, uh, for a person who had such a decorated footy career, the pivot has been quite remarkable. And his passion uh, is, is, you know... He's almost unmatched for the game of golf and he's a guy that's willing to put his money where his mouth is clearly yeah. and give back to the game. So you must, um, you know, you must be grateful for the support and, and obviously be, be pretty thrilled to be a part of his stable there at Ciro.
1: Yeah, it's just, it's good to have someone like him in your corner, you know, like just someone you can, can just text or call and just sort of ask. It's not, it's not always about um, golf either, it's about life. Probably felt like when I was talking to him in COVID, it was not even about golf. It's just like how are you going? Like what are you up to? How's work? Um, etc. etc. But yeah, it's good. It's um it's good to, good to be a part of um what he's doing. And I think it's only going a bit going to get bigger. Um with yeah, the likes of like Munster joining, like that's a that's a big sign, you know.
2: We've mentioned your brother a few times. Um tell me, are you a better golfer or is he a better football player?
1: No, nah, he's a better footy player.
2: Better footy player. He
1: he's uh he's had a he's had a bit of a tough tough run with injuries, so he's slowly getting there. Um, mm. yeah, very tough run. So I I would say him only because of his resilience. Like most people that have gone through what he's gone through would be working nine to five. So he's yeah, that's probably what I admire more. Not even take away the footy part. Like he's a good footy player, but when you have seven major surgeries, things had four knee reconstructions and three shoulder reconstructions, and it's unfathomable, really.
2: Um, for those unfamiliar, brother Brad plays for the Rebels, doesn't he, the Melbourne yeah. Rebels, in yeah. the yeah. Super Rugby competition? So uh, what's that like to have a sibling who's also a professional athlete? Is there? I mean, obviously you're close anyway as brothers, yeah. but there's probably yeah. some mutual respect, albeit he's had a, a, a different sport but a very different yeah. journey through there is injuries as your flag but there must be yeah. probably some appreciation as well of, of the journey both as professional athletes
1: yeah I, just good to bounce ideas off each other sometimes but a lot of the times we don't like to talk about it you know we like just to just hang out and go for a beer and have a punt on the horses and you know he, he loves his golf but i can sort of play golf in a relaxed way where it's not really feeling like it's you know a job as such um, so I, I like doing that with him. Um, yeah, yeah, it's good. Like, you know, he, he's, um, he's got a pretty, pretty smart sort of, um, footy brain. Um, so, you just the brain in general, he's, um, he's helped me a lot with my golf actually, just with how he sort of approaches uh, his footy and all that. So, Yeah. Do you reckon mum and dad prefer to watch you play golf or him play footy? Oh, no, they don't like watching any of us. <laughs> <laughs> dad hates watching Australian rugby at the moment. Yeah, well, it's a tough watch. It's a real tough watch at the moment. It's a very tough watch. Yeah. Uh, uh, goodness oh, me. Yeah, I don't know. The Rebels, are they've got a lot of injuries at the moment, so it's mm. making it hard, but... Um, I, just, I I I'm I'm more watching it for my brother, right? I just want him to get through, have a good game, you know, but it would be good to see a couple couple of wins A couple of Ws, just a couple of points on the yeah. board. That'd be nice. Yeah, yeah. I thought would I thought they were going to beat Fiji the other day, but couldn't even do that. So anyway, they'll be, they'll be right. They'll, they'll get the boys back in the back end of the season and they'll kick on. One
2: final one for you Aaron. Uh, notice that you've stayed with a number of different people across the summer. So who, who's been your favourite housemate so far of the travels? Staying with Denzel right now. Well, yeah, we heard. G'day, Denzel. Uh, oh, we, want. We, we, we we won't ask for the match report from the PAV last night. That's, we'll save that for Dimmy when you get off the, uh, off the phone to us. But, I mean, it could be awkward now if it's not, Denzel. But who's been the, who's been the best, best company? No,
1: no, Denzel's the best. Denzel's the best. And and Warren Warren the worst comfortably. Nah. Well, we're st- I stay with Denz and Was for um, Big Open, so I'll, I'll say they're, they're equal. Was as funny. Was as talks so much garbage. It's that funny. Um, yeah, I put Was and Denz. Excellent a fella. He's well, a good fella, was he? <laughs> He's a Legend. He's a legend. He's gonna fucking hate us I'm, after this. So. I'm staying with I'm saying with I'm saying with Dimmy and Link for the national event, so.
0: Oh boy. Oh, Get I mean, the jeebies. reds ready.
1: That'll be fun. The Shiraz's could Lincoln, be out again. Lincoln, Lincoln makes you laugh. I tell you what, you'd want to bloody <laughs> make the
0: you'd want to make the weekend, mate. Jesus, I tell you what, it could be a very big Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. If not, <laughs> holy shit. Nah, uh, Dim,
2: Dim, is,
1: Dim is quite reserved.
2: Ah yeah. Is he? Yeah, it? pretty, pretty quiet, fella. <laughs> I also oh, feel yeah. like um, also feel like all of our materials wasted on Denzel now. He probably would have been on the hit list, but he's heard all of our questions, so we, we'll have
1: to go, go go back to the drawing he, board and get him on. Oh. He's he's he's, out of, he's got plenty of stories. Oh, I've heard. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs>
2: All right, mate. It's been uh, it's been a pleasure. It's been it's been fantastic to finally have you on. Uh, yeah. Great to hear your story. All the very best, obviously, not only for the remainder of the summer, as you say, looking to finish strong, but yeah. um, particularly as you you get on that path to the end of the year with some Q schools coming back up, and we look forward to, to keeping an eye on the journey and and uh, and having you back again in the future. But for now, we'll uh, we'll free you up so you can get back on the blow at Papadados and give him the blow by blow from. Sunday nights at the pub. I don't know if there's a better, there's plenty of good Sunday sessions in the country. There's few better than Sunday night at the Coogee Pavilion. (laughs) Thanks, boys. Thanks for having us.